any questions tonight? Yes. Uh, I've seen two statements in the Charitamrita. One saying that um, uh, one should neither glorify nor criticize a Vaishnava. And another one saying that if you like, if you have offended a Vaishnava, then at that same time you should glorify the Vaishnava. If you have criticized one, you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember something like that. Shouldn't glorify, shouldn't criticize the Vaishnav. But if you were to err, better to err on the side of glorifying a Vaishnav than criticizing one. I don't remember the context of that. Is it a text itself or in a commentary? I think it's in a text. In the text itself. Um, the only thing that comes to my mind, obviously we shouldn't criticize the Vaishnav. Of course, that said, there is such a thing as constructive criticism. criticism. And um, sometimes it's said that the only business of the guru is to criticize. What an, what an awkward <laughs> service. Um, so, constructive criticism, that's another thing. Um, but... Um, Otherwise, obviously, we shouldn't since they criticize or vilify. Anyway, shouldn't vilify a Vaishnava. As far as praising a Vaishnava goes, there are many, plenty of statements throughout the scripture that they're worthy of praise and so forth. The only thing that comes to my mind without refreshing my memory by looking at the context is that Vaishnavas themselves don't like to be glorified, they tend to um, avoid that um, often as much as possible and um, and perhaps in consideration of that the statement is made um, but as I recall maybe it's in the commentary Prabhupada says something to the effect that if you were to err on the side of caution Air, better to make a mistake and glorify than not. Because again, there are many statements throughout the scripture about the importance, uh, the value, and the virtues of praising the devotees, and there are many statements of the scripture that, that glorify Vaishnavas repeatedly, again and again and again. Krishna glorifies the devotees himself and says that the worship of them is um, is more dear to him than worship of himself. <clears throat> then again I'd have to look at the context you know but flattery is another thing mm-hmm. um, so to flatter someone for one's own purposes would be maybe something that's being re- referred to without seeing the context it would be hard for me to say much more but I think overall at large, we should make it a practice of, in a healthy way, in a thoughtful way, and in times that are appropriate and so forth, when there are windows of opportunity, we should glorify the Vaishnavas. That's kind of what we do <laughs> in, in general. So it is a curious, curious statement. Come on in. What else? A related question to that. Um, we were talking about compassion and how um, the jivas are sort of a 
I suppose you could, you know, we look at the world and it has different purposes from different angles of vision. And um, that's certainly a positive angle of vision. You're saying, if I heard you correctly, the material world is, gives the devotees, is forgiving the devotees an opportunity to show mercy and be, be glorified. Mm. I think that's that's a that's a valid angle of vision. I mean, overall, we have to sometimes gravitate towards the 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 abade um, half of the bade abade equation. Bade means difference, and abade means non-difference. So, <coughs> the jivas are also non-different. From Vishnu, the Maya Shakti is also non-different in a sense. Has no in, in either of these have any independent existence from Him. They're fully dependent upon Him. They are Him, and Him means He and His Shaktis. Even while the Maya Shakti is separate, hmm? example is given sometimes to help us explain the Maya Shakti as being separate. The example of the rope, a snake, and its skin that it sheds. Snakes apparently shed skin. Sometimes you can find their skins in the forest. Hmm. So the skin of the snake is dependent upon the snake, but it's also independent of the snake, and the snake goes away, and the skin is inert, unconscious, hmm, and inanimate, and so forth. So the world is like that. But... um, it's wholly dependent upon the snake. So, uh, and the snake's not influenced by it. It lets it go. And so, so as much as the material world is separate, given that example, it's dependent. It's one of the shaktis, and he, the Godhead, is explained and understood not independently of his shaktis, but as the whole, that's part of the whole package, right? There's one one reality, and it expresses itself in different ways. I've given the example of the fire, the heat and light, the sparks and the smoke. Well, God's the fire. The heat and light is his surup shakti. The sparks are ourselves, the jeev shakti, and the smoke is the maya shakti. So there's darkness in light. Hmm. Maya Shakti. So, Maya Shakti and the Jeev Shakti, they make up the world. And and when we say, well, the world is a place, a region, a, a realm that corresponds with an eternal moment in the life of the Godhead, that moment of compassion. His moments are all moments of love 
So, or feelings of love, emotions. So, an eternal moment, eternal aspect, another way to think about it, of his, his all-loving being and nature. Compassion aspect, so corresponding realm. He's satyasankalpa, whatever he wants happens. Uh, so, so the jivas, the conditioned jivas, and the maya shakti, they make up the world, but they are just aspects of himself. It's good to talk about it like that because the tendency is to want to blame him for the suffering, and then you, what you're doing, and when you say that, is I'm separate from God, but you're not. So it's God. There's nobody to blame. God's being what, doing what God does. Um, and and looked at in a positive light, as I say, and this is how it's, it's often explained. It is the world is born out of love, and we would think that that that, is, that kind of love is the is the compassionate um, variety which requires someone to bestow something on. And and he's, let us say, Vishnu manifests the world in this way and through the medium of his devotees. He um, uh, uh, shows that compassion very practically. Also, in, in, a, in a form of his descents as the avatars and so forth, in the form of the eternal scriptures and whatnot, but the devotee, in this particular, is termed sometimes the kripa shakti. So, kripa means mercy, and um, and here, obviously, is where they'll be celebrated, right? And where they have the opportunity to be such. If we want God to be merciful. There needs to be a place where justice is overridden. So I often say he is just in relation to his Maya Shakti. He has to have a relationship with the Maya Shakti. It's a little distant. He can't just ignore her. So his relationship with her is that he's that he honors the justice, the the the. Um, the payback, so to speak, that material nature um, expects in relation to the taking of the jivas. Right? So you exploit the material world for a purpose other than for what it's intended. It belongs to the Godhead. Your own mentally conceived small purpose, and it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't feel good <laughs> to the Maya Shakti. So she... Uh, response. There's two forms of the Maya Shakti. There's the Jiva Shakti and Jiva Maya and Guna Maya. So Guna Maya is more the constituents of matter, and Jiva Maya is the magic of of Maya that bewilders the Jiva. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the karmic repercussions there are, um, and the Godhead honors that. So he's just, but he's also merciful. By overriding the justice, and principally that is through the medium of the devotees, and uh, 
Pujapatridamarsh, for example, used to say that um, that however high any devotees may be, those that save us will always be high in our highest in our minds. <laughs> um, something like that. It's uh, relative. They're all moving according to the will of Bhagawan. But from our perspective, then, this one's better. She saved me. He saved me. He came for me. Showed kindness to me. Showed me mercy and so forth. Um, So, yeah, that's only going to happen in this world. There's not much scope for showing mercy in in Vaikuntha, hmm. right? Hmm. It, is, it is a place of mercy in another sense, I mean, just to be there and so forth. But it's fully played out. Here it overrides justice, it intervenes, uh, and through the medium of the devotees in our karmic life. Hmm. As I've often said, there are two forces in the world. There's the force of the karma and there's the force of bhakti. So we say anadi karma, we can say anadi bhakti. No, it's always the world is always there. Bhakti is always there. There are always devotees in the world. There are always sadhakas hmm? and sadhana siddhas showing the way by their example. And they are the medium through which the mercy of Bhagawan is distributed. And so in that and they, they are thought to be glorious for that, understandably so. So, without the material world, it's kind of how you're talking about it. Um, how will they be? How will the devotees be glorified? Something like that. Hmm. So, it's a, and Krishna wants to glorify his devotees. This is they want to glorify him. He wants to glorify them. There's a competition. Hmm. So it's a, it, like I say, there's different ways we can look at the world and think about its purpose and so forth. And that would be a higher end perspective. Mm. It's similar to the idea that it, it is appearing in response to the um, the um, compassionate component of the all-loving absolute and in relation to that then the bestowing of mercy and compassion which he would like to do he does through his devotees and accomplishes a second purpose as well that they will be praised and glorified and they show the way what it means to live with him to be with him not I am the Godhead so it's it's okay good as I said before, it's not what God does, but what God makes, but how He how He how He relates to that which is. So, in the Christian idea, there's a God, God, God that God made the world, and God is good, and the world's bad. Somehow they have to separate the world from God, otherwise God starts to become bad. In um, in the classical theological Christian perspective. Hmm. Um, not sure how they do it entirely, <laughs> but that, that, that they try. And then, you know, they reject, reject the pantheism, which is often um, 
Hinduism is often equated with, which isn't entirely accurate, but there, there's an element of that, and some schools are are pantheistic entirely. Um, that means the world is God, so that means God is is bad. Hmm. Our perspective is there is no bad. Hmm. So <laughs> that's only a, that's only a perspective. God's there's nobody to blame because there's only God. That's the obeyed, the non-different perspective. And if we want to say, look from the obeyed perspective, then the jivas are to blame. Hmm? Because they don't take advantage of bhakti. Hmm. Um, that may not satisfy everybody's reasoning, but some things um, are uh, transcend reason. Hmm? And that's good to know. And that's primarily what the scripture is intended for, to speak to us about that which transcends reason, which we couldn't know without. Otherwise, what's the meaning of revelation? We may say revelation needs to make sense, but only to, only to a point. It also makes sense that, that reason is, is, is limited and that it sh- transcendence should be something that, well, transcends the limits of reason. And I often say love knows no reason, so... That's bad, materially speaking, or it can be. But when the, when the love is absolute, spiritual, transcendental, then that's what that's what we mean by Goloka Vrindavan. Jnana Shunya Bhakti, love, unencumbered by by knowledge, by calculation, by reason. I should love because. In Kamnuva Bhakti, there's no reason. It's against reason even in the context of the Leela. In some Mananuga Bhakti, there's some slight reason why you should love. You should love your children. You should love your friends. You should love your teacher. Some Mananuga means Vatsalya, Sakya, Dasya, Ingolok. Some slight, slight reason. But in the Gopi Bhav, then, there's reason says you shouldn't be doing that, according to the, the context of the lila. And so it's called kama, which doesn't know reason. Right? So it goes against reason. It's unreasonable. In other words, in the context of lila, they shouldn't be running off to gopis with some other with some boy. It's not allowed. <laughs> it's not part of the society. So, so again, anyway, from our perspective, it's not what God creates, but how He deals with what what is and what is. We know there is. We know there's an I. There's a subjective reality. We know there's an objective reality. That's our experience. We know they exist. Why they exist? Why I exist? Better to just deal with what we know. They exist in it, and, and our interaction with the objective world is is problematic. And we think about it theoretically by withdrawing from it. We know we'll, we'll be peaceful. We're going to have our experience. If we reach out and have desires in relation to sense objects, well, we've got to work. We've got to get up. We've got to do something. Hmm? We've got to take, take take some trouble. So we know that. So these two shaktis exist, and they're part of the Godhead. And he relates to them. 
appropriately to the jivas, he shows mercy. Through Maya Shakti, he defers and upholds the justice. And he shows the mercy through his devotees. So Maya can't blame him. <laughs> Maya can't say, wait a minute, You're, you've overridden my jurisdiction. You're ignoring me. No, my devotees did that. This is an argument. <laughs> it's kind of goes around in a circle. It's like saying, where does the world come from, from Krishna? Where does Krishna come from, from Radha? Where does Radha come from, from Krishna? So there's one thing, Advaigyan Tattva. But it's a wonderful thing. It's a variegated singularity. Variegated, like a concert. It's one thing, but it's many notes. Harmony. One, one song, but many, not notes, but Anyway, octaves or whatever. Um, so, a dynamic unity. A unity that's dynamic and static at the same time. Static, still, singular, and dynamic internally. And the more internally we go, the more closer we go to the heart of that, the more dynamic in scope it becomes. And there's where the, the all-pervasive is moving, and the all-knowing is, is unknowing. These are really timeless ideas worth entering into. They're so much more exciting than materialistic ideas, however much sense they may seem to make to someone or to a materialistic mind. They are very much a dead end. These ideas are very exciting romantic and um, alive, alive ideas. You know, all our books are written like this. They're not books about historical facts. I was thinking about Chaitanya Charitamrita and the way in which Krishna's Kaviraj is written and so forth and, and see how the mind wants to take it all very literally. But he's obviously, you know, he puts the words in the mouths of he, he, he knows the history and he goes against the history there. He, he puts, for example, verse from the Brahma Samhita in the mouth of Ramananda Roy speaking to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in subsequent chapters he says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu found the Brahma Samhita in South India and brought it back. Later it was distributed and the devotees all loved it, so... I mean, he's not making a mistake because he's old. Right, he was old. He finished the he, he finished the book at about 87 years old. He was quite quite old. He left home at a young age, Krishnadas Kaviraj, um, when he found his brother Sham, Sham Rupa, I think his name was, uh, and didn't have appreciation for Nityananda Prabhu, offended one of Nityananda Prabhu's own extensions, Minikatana Ramdas, one of his Gopals in Gorlila. So he saw that and he left home. And Nityananda Prabhu came to him in his homeless condition, along with some of his associates in a mystical dream, chanting, Krishna, Krishna, said, go to Vrindavan. All your desires will be fulfilled there. Somehow in Vrindavan, 
He got the shelter of Raghunathas Goswami, whom he refers to at the end of his book as his guru, hmm? while glorifying other Siksha gurus. He particularly refers to him as and my guru, Raghunath. Um, and um, he's just a second generation. Right? So Raghunath is one of the younger ones. Jiva Goswami, one of the younger of the Goswamis. Hmm. Um, although he wasn't from a high caste, he was from a, like a Sudra Varna, Vaidya. His father was a was an Ayurvedic physician. Hmm. He was such a scholar. Hmm. You'd think he was a very high class Brahmin, but it's another example in Gaurila how spirituality, the absolute, transcends the relative and the caste system is stepped over, so to speak. And there he got the blessing somehow to write Chaitanya Charitamrita. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. He quotes over 65 different texts in his book, references. They had, a, they had collected apparently quite a library there in Vrindavan at the time. This is how he was spending his years at some, some, at some point he was blessed by Madan Gopal and the assembled Vaishnavas and given the mission to write the Chaitanya Charitamrita and take the Sanskrit teachings of the Goswamis and put them in Bengali and bring it back to the Bengalis where some goofy ideas were starting to come also. <laughs> some sentimental ideas about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how to love him and what he means. And some very nationalistic type of hmm, bodily identified type of ideas even to some extent. So to give Rupa Goswami's uh, opinion, experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's what the Chaitanya Charitamrita is about. And it's a narrative, but it transcends history, time. He completely contradicts it. He does that over and over, repeatedly. So you can see he's not concerned, really, as much with the linear historical narrative that makes sense He's, he, he, and he says you shouldn't be either <laughs> hmm. just go live in the timeless world live in relation to the material world in such a way that it will foster um, inspiration to move beyond uh, time hmm. and and then within that the title of his book Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita as I've said before it's it's really a discourse on the nature of the possibilities of the possibilities that lie in the subjective, super subjective world, the world of consciousness proper. It's hardly even about the difference between matter and consciousness. That's obviously at the the basis where the real spirituality begins to understand the difference. But most many traditions more or less stop there, and he's just like going from there so far. Hmm. the immortal nectar character of the nature of consciousness. It doesn't sound like something that's just still sitting there forever. Hmm. Static. Static. And still in relation to the falsity of the movements of the world and so forth, but but alive. Hmm. And, well, I mean, the ultimate reality should be alive. Have a life. Hmm and dynamic, and so the concept of Leela, and, and then how he's developed that idea of Leela so 
so so charming. And this, yes, the devotee, the world is there for God to show compassion and for Him to glorify His devotees, and 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 so much that's being played out in Chaitanya Lila, isn't it? He's coming as a devotee. He himself must become a devotee, experience their perspective, and 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 to and like a sadhana siddha. They're even more glorified. They show the way. They have the, they have some experience of the suffering of the world, so they're filled with empathy. In Sanatana Goswami's Brihad Bhagavatamrita, he went glorifying Prahlad. He says, and these sadhana siddhas like Prahlad, whom he refers to as a sadhana siddha, there. Um, such devotees. They, more or less, he says they're more glorious than the nityasiddhas because their love has been tested. The nityasiddhas and their love has never been tested. Not that it would pass, wouldn't pass a test, <laughs> but he's just making a, a way of saying, "So glorious are the sadhana siddhas through all such adversity and so forth. They've they've shown the, the, the measure of their love through any all adversity. They've risen to the occasion, never let go." Sometimes you take a rest, but then come back. Something like that. And and when you hear the descriptions at the end of Brihad Bhagavatamrita, isn't it, of Krishna's speaking to Gopal Kumar and what you went through for me, the difficulties that you went, you had a thyroid disease for me. <laughs> and he still cooked, you know, and he still cleaned and preached and tried and so forth. And I was there for you. I I brought you prasadam. <laughs> I came to you that morning, that night. It was me who came. I said, "Are you okay?" Hmm. Uh, I was there with you, witnessing hmm, your trials and tribulations. Hmm. So, the virtues of the sadhana siddhas they cannot be underestimated. In the sadhakas, in general, so it's such a glorious thing. That's why I say to be a sadhaka is not to be a bhadajiva. We have this in-between category. It's not brought out like this. It's that we have the sadhana, the buddha-jiva, the nityabhada, the eternally conditioned and the eternal liberated. And the sadhakas is in-between. Hmm? Not in this world entirely. Unplugged, right? The property, we used to give the example of the fan. It's unplugged. It may still go around, but we don't pay much attention. Did you turn the fan off? Yeah. Okay. Is it off? Yeah. You look up. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's all. It's going slower, slower. It is. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So the material world is, is uh, it will be appreciated, much appreciated by us also as we grow in progress. Hmm? All our trials and tribulations, as big as they are at the moment, will feel very small. And in comparison, as we move beyond them, lessons are learned from them and learn them hmm? and, and incorporate them into our practice to go forward with greater enthusiasm and so forth. Hmm? I mean, I have a life of adversity. <laughs> to test, I can testify, I can share notes with anybody in difficulties hmm? that can be encountered 
on the path. So this the whole, whole whole group can turn against you even as possible. Hmm. So so yeah, it's a place for where devotees are 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 to be glorified against all adversity serving the cause. Does that help? What else? Yes. Yeah, Gunamaya refers to the the modes of nature. Hmm? And the matatva, the, the, the ingredients of the material nature from the Bhagavat Sankhya point of view. And then Jiva Maya is kind of like the magical spell over the Jiva, by which the Jiva becomes diluted, identified with Maya. Hmm? So she has what she's made of, and then she has some, you know, she's made up. Of flesh and bones, but somehow she looks beautiful. Mm. Uh, she's dressed up in such a way as to attract, although there's nothing there to be had. It's punapunas charvita charvananam. As Prahlad said, chewing the chewed. It's already been chewed. Again, chewing the same thing. Just like a prostitute has one thing to offer, but wears a different dress every day. So you think there's some lucky something more there. Mm. <laughs> Is not so. So her power to delude hmm? the package. There's the ingredients of the package, and with the glancing of Vishnu, the package comes together, tied in a ribbon, and looks enticing to the jiva. And so there's an attraction. That's called jiva maya. Hmm? She has that power. But it's dim, that power, in comparison to the power of bhakti. If we ought to stay always in good company, and every night we hear these things, every morning we hear these things, throughout the day think about them. You have to understand Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, Vrindavandastaku, Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Satam Goswami, all these persons in the contemporaries of Prabhupada Maharaj. They're not living on, on just hopes hmm. uh, or imagination hmm. on something that's tangible, hmm. transcends our material limitations. We need to keep our material situation such that we can access it by practice. So some attention needs to be paid to our physical condition, mental condition, so we'll put for, with a purpose in mind. And as it is, then that physical condition, mental condition is transcended altogether in due course. And we have, we have so many examples. Oh, we should we should think, I want to be like them, experience like them. That's possible. Who cares what anybody else says? Or says it's not possible or whatever. They, they think it's just, oh, they're just a fake or something. They're just imagining. Hmm. Hmm. That's just their faith. Materialism is just a faith, too. 
It's just, it's the myth of modern science. You want to compare myths? Okay. We have the myth of the Bhagavatam. We have the myth of modern science. The myth of modern science is that by modern science and technology, we will attain salvation. Never mind that it's a rather undesirable form of salvation in which we are liberated from the hell of human frailty and delivered into the heaven of robotic uh, perfection, hmm? where there's no meaning hmm? other than what we make up to be meaning. Hmm? And uh, the largest overriding meaning of such a world, saved world, is to be militant against the idea of any overarching meaning. The no meaning meaning. This to me is not a desirable form of salvation. That's that's what's being pushed. Modern myth, that's what you get. You get to become... the, the, The human shortcomings are overridden and... We create human beings through science and technology that don't have the same problems. Hmm. Whose humanness is... is, uh, That's what they want, is gone, so to speak. Hmm. Efficiency. Hmm. It's not desirable. (laughs) So rather the Bhagavatam is a story. It's a story. These are all stories. Materialism is a story. Based on certain values, we, we tell a story how we think things are. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a little bit about this at lunch. What are the values? What are the values of the society? Mm-hmm. Then we look at the social interaction and dynamics and think about what they should be. Mm-hmm. If the values are get money and have a good sex life, mm-hmm. be, be kind to the earth, and be, you know, environmentalist so that you can be assured of continuing to <laughs> enjoy the senses materially, hmm? which is the really all it's about, hmm? to co- continue to do the same thing. Hmm? Then social norms will be uh, arise out of that. If your idea of life is that this life is temporary and there's an overarching meaning and the meaning of human life is to pursue that meaning and it is it involves transcendence, eternality, and so on and so forth. And, and then you look at the social values and so forth differently. Injustices and so on and so forth. We're not, of course, we're... we're Justice and kindness, by, for, to be sure, but as I said, Bhaktivinoda Thakur cursed good health. Because he said, in good health, I think I'm okay. It's an, just an extreme statement. <laughs> we modify it, we say, well, if day, I should be taken care of. Mm-hmm. But with this in mind, mm-hmm. for service, for pursuing the ideal. Mm-hmm. 
So you can think, you know, if, if everybody, quote-unquote, believes that life is about transcend, there's an Atman, the goal is to transcend the mind and the senses, in some capacity, hmm? there may be different forms of liberation, so we can accommodate, let everybody come on in on that, just center on that. There's reincarnation, there's a real Atma, it's changing dresses, the goal is to stop that. If the world believes in this, so many problems would be solved. Hmm? You take the simple truths, as I said, I was reading the Bible, you read the simple truths of the Bible, Jesus' statements, very compelling. If people were like the way he told people should be, the world would be heaven on earth. Hmm? Love your neighbor like yourself. I think we need some metaphysics to do that. What is the neighbor? What is the self? And how the yogi sees the suffering of others as if it's his own and so forth, because hmm, he understands the underlying reality that we're all part of his consciousness and he's been there and so forth, been through the suffering and so on. Hmm. But yeah, these are these are important things, and, and they're losing. You know, it's Really, it is <laughs> a losing standing in the world. Materialism is very powerful now. It's got the all. It's got the internet. It's got control of the internet. So there's no free thinking there. <laughs> so we need the sheltered environment to come out from under that and pursue the prospect. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given to the world. And this kind of dispensation, it will come and it will recede, come and recede. We're trying to write something, keep it alive, the idea is alive in the world. People may hear it with an unbiased mind and think, that's a good idea. Now just compare the stories. Don't try to prove them, because none of them can be proved. Materialism can't be proved. It means reality is beyond, beyond reason and, and sense perception, which is what we teach. If it was true, then it could, then it could, be, it could be proved. They're trying, but we will not be successful. Hmm. So we teach from the very beginning. Reality is beyond reason, beyond observation of the senses. Hmm. And there are, there's a transrational reality and the method, transrational methodology to attain it. Hmm. It's very, and much the antithesis of how we've been moving for eons, move in a different way, to go, go within rather than without. But we say, go within or go without. Hmm? You end up with nothing, chasing the world, and you can never really touch it. I mean, we say that metaphysically speaking, I think even in science, because you can't really... And of course you can't keep it, so it disappears, right? Fool's gold is what it is. Don't mine for fool's gold. Everything that glitters 
is not gold. <laughs> Krishna consciousness is really all these common sense type things. Hmm. With all of this theology and ritual and different language and haircuts and everything and dress. And all. <laughs> it's really quite <laughs> quite down to earth. Hmm. When you get it, then naturally you want to party and, and think differently and dress differently and be differently. Be different. That guy, what is his name? Stephen Jobs had a little too much prashad, and that's why his logo is think differently or something, be different or something. He used to always, his testify used to go to the Gainesville Temple and take prashad every day when he was going to the campus there. <laughs> think differently. What else? Yes. I was wondering, I think I heard you speak a little bit on the topic before, but I was reading an article today and um, it was talking about how devotees should really keep an association with other devotees, otherwise kind of, you know, like cutting off association with, um, I guess, more, I mean, people that aren't devotees, but at the same time, you know, it's like we're in the world, and then there are these people. So, well, I, I would say that, that what I'm thinking, you know, I have, I don't have people in my life, but there are people in my life that are really just selfless and supportive of me. And I mean, they're supporting a devotee, and then I mean, we wouldn't want to cut off association with them, obviously. And I mean, I'm not thinking that, but. It just seems like what, what what's your I kind of heard you talk about it, but it's how do we you don't associate with the ideas, materialistic ideas or non-devotional ideas that they that they entertain and embrace. Hmm. Association means like that to 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 exchange ideas and and get on the same page and hey. I think like that too, and so we make an association. We join an association of like-minded persons. So association, so association means to for with to bond with like-minded people, and these people you bond with for other reasons, for for biological reasons, and for reasons of, of um, from your previous life, I mean, before you were a devotee, you knew them and so forth, and, and they're supportive of what you're doing. If they weren't supportive, then you would be less inclined to associate with them, hmm? if at all, or out of some formality or something you had to or something. But... Um, um, but they're supportive, so even there is an element of like-mindedness, a small in small measure. Hmm? Okay, I like it's good what you're doing. I support you. I, I, we can't sit down and read the Krishna book together, perhaps, and like good with with my friend Nandamayi or something like that, or Sumati. But but still, there's some element there, and that's why you're associated with them. If they were anti-devotional and so forth, and you you would have less inclination. 
So I think that's how you have to look at association. To embrace the same ideas. Like I say, we join an association. We have ideas. And that's why there's a magazine out there for every idea, they think. There has to be the niche group. People like cars. People like motorcycles. People like to collect rocks. There should be a magazine about collecting rocks. And sure enough, there, there is, you know, and there, you know, how kind of rocks there are, and this and that. And people, they hire people, get in. It's a sure sell, you know. It's, you, know you, you found a niche, you know, and there's a good, they need their magazine. So that's what association means. We have an association, some. So when we get faith, then we we want to foster the faith. So we associate with with like-minded persons, people who have similar faith. Hmm? So. That should help you in this kind of quandary that a number of devotees have, with the emphasis being strong as it is to avoid association of, of non-devotees, materialistic people who promote other ideas and, and embrace other ideas, and then act according to those ideas and do those things that they do. And we don't find those things conducive to bhakti and those ideas. So does that help? Right. And also you share your ideas to some extent with them, and you're a devotee, and so they like you, and that's good, and you bring them some prasadam sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're liking you, you're a devotee, so you, don't want to get out, you don't want to get out of their life. They like you, and you are a devotee. Krishna likes you, so if they like you, Krishna's going to like them. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like my devotee. I like you. This is true. That's how it works. Krishna's like that. Love's like that. Hmm? That's why it's said, oh, the devotee, generations of the devotees' families are, deli- are delivered. Hmm? That's the idea behind it. It may take some time. <laughs> but how to get Krishna's attention... Of all forms of divinity, Krishna's would seem to be the hardest. Of course, he comes as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to make an easy way to do that. But, but once you you're on his mind by being on the mind of one of his devotees, right? Who's distributing his teaching in the world? So you become on that devotee's mind. Right? Then you're on Krishna's mind, and then the people whose mind you are on, like you. Mm-hmm. Naturally, some of his attention goes to them, mm-hmm. and there's millions and billions of lifetimes of karma that they have. Krishna can dismiss so much of that. Mm-hmm. Invisible, before it ever manifests, mm-hmm. and in the next life they can even be born as devotees. Mm-hmm. As your own children, <laughs> it's quite possible. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a little young for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little young for that. You can't do that on your own, so you need someone to cooperate with you on that idea. But at any rate, I'm just giving a, an example. It's possible your parents can become your children. Mm-hmm. Friends and so forth.
<laughs> Who are we? <laughs> I don't know why you want to know. <laughs> We're all together. That's been for good reasons. I'll leave it at that. So many mysteries to unfold. How fascinating the material world will be in all our sojourns, as I was saying earlier. Oh, that's what no wonder I was given, he was giving me a hard time. Hmm? What did I, what was, how did I relate to him in the past and so on? There's so many things will come. All, all suddenly, suddenly will all make sense and disappear and enter into the world. In one moment it all makes sense. And then, into the Nitya Lila. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Ideas worth living for, worth sacrificing for. You have to make some effort in life. That's unavoidable. You should make a little more. <laughs> What else? You gotta clean all the yards. Yes. Under sub sub leader. <laughs> sub group leader. <laughs> you can go look then have many group leaders and sub leaders and so forth. Yes. Many years. What did you say? Many years. Many there. Yeah. So many. There's an Audaria there too. Yeah. So many yurts are. Yes. Uh, I found out something happened yesterday. I was looking in the Vaishnava calendar, and there are no like known appearance dates for um, Rupa Goswami and Goridas Pandit. Only their disappearance, and and they actually share the disappearance deeply. Mm. Um, that was just so nice because I've heard from you that like Subhas. Radha is Sambhal, Nyasta Sarupya, and Rupa Goswami. It's like you know, the beauty of Radha is there, both very similar and almost seems like being a Sambhal, and it's like being a Rupa Nanga. Like even, even internally. Uh-huh. They're close. Yeah. Closely related, yeah. Rupa Manjari. The beauty, the Rupa of Radha, manifests as Rupa Manjari. Hmm. Subhalanyasta means that she bestows her form upon upon Subhal means taking she she becomes Subhal Radharani wanting sakya to taste sakyas and the freedom that it affords to put your arms around Krishna in public no one can say anything that exists in her Subal is the fulfillment of that. Mm. So there are places in the Leela that she makes those comments. And then in, in Raghunastasa's 108 names of Radha, his name comes, who bestows her form upon Subal, or manifests in the form of Subal, to taste Sakyarasa. So yeah, these things, arguments, Sakya, Ras, Manjuris, these all mundane arguments. So. You see, people don't know how to talk about it, better not to talk about it. Mm. Manjari's better. Not in the way you're thinking. <laughs> Not like that. At the cost of something else, being perfect and beautiful, and necessity, and the necessity. 
They all work together. You can't have one without the other. Hmm. You take out Krishna's friends, the whole thing falls apart. Hmm. It's a composite. Big happy family there. Hmm. Okay, what's the time? Okay. So... Meet again tomorrow. Shishi Gaurnatananda ki jaya. Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jaya. Gaur Premanande. Hare Maharaj ki jaya.